happy midpoint of November, midpoint in this week. Wednesday, Saskatchewan's smartest radio listener, a couple of hours from now at 11 o'clock, and many things to go on before that time. So a lot of you have weighed in. I'm looking particularly on our text line. The whole issue of access to hospitals, and I tend, of course, healthcare bureaucrats will never use my analogy of down, because down, of course, suggests a negative. But think of it this way. You hit the healthcare system on the ground floor in an ER. And if it's any of the tertiary hospitals, China General, RUH, it's a gong show ER. So you hit it at the ground level. As you need more acute care or a response to your medical challenges or emergency, which is presumably why you're in ER, oh, you're not. Oh, okay. Many are not, and that's been a perennial issue for decades, but you really need care. So you go up into the hospital. So the whole issue is how do we get you up into an acute bed, the care, the specialists, the treatment, everything else? When you're done in the hospital, how do we get you down back into the community and out the door to home or to some other facility? So think of it that way. It's an up and down thing. And of course, the while you're up is how long you're there, the quality of care and other things. So I just do that myself. That's conceptually. Because when they start going on, as bureaucrats are wont to do, and even when you read the Saskatoon Capacity Pressure Action Item list, uh, there's a lot of bureaucraties. In the next 30 days, increasing adherence to existing overcapacity protocols and line of sight, S-I-T-E sight, for senior leadership to transition patients out of emergency department to appropriate care environments and appropriate receiving facilities to reduce pressures on tertiary care. That means making sure that as you get people on the downslope, you get them where they need to be in the community. So, you know, we get all this, but I'll tell you, I would never try to second guess people like Andrew Will or any senior manager in health because health is immensely complex with a lot of moving parts. It's like three dimensional chess all the time. So you've got the natural bureaucratic inclination of government. You've also got a system essentially run by large and powerful unions. And you know that. You have QP, Canada's largest, and according to a lot of its leaders, anti-Semitic union. Um, you know, QP is a monster. They're the largest public sector union in Canada. QP controls much of what goes on in Saskatchewan healthcare. The very radical Saskatchewan Union of Nurses, staffed by hardcore New Democrats for decades. No, not you. You're an RN. You just pay dues in the union. But Sun is very influential, very powerful. SEIU West, which is a big American union, the Service Employees International Union, they've got health care wrapped up in much of Canada in what's called SEIU West. Rabidly left-wing. Uh, shall I go on? SGEU, the Government and General Employees Union. Now, I'm not going to pin it all on unions. Because unions are looking out for their members, but 
they have great control over the healthcare system. So you've got government bureaucracies, you've got huge unions, and you've got you and me. We simply need care. So, and plus all the complexities of all those moving parts. Uh, one of you made a very good point, and I think this is an excellent one that Mark and Doran Tosh twigged on. We did talk about, and I asked Andrew Will as we got going, let me just pull this out here. The, um, where was the EMS reference? Oh, yeah, the 43 additional beds at RUH, 21 will be temporary inpatient, so they're just trying to expand the number of beds to get you from ER into a temporary inpatient bed. 22 will be temporary flex beds and EMS transition beds. Now, EMS transition beds would get you from a stretcher with an EMS paramedic into a bed. But Mark says... If the paramedics still need to transfer that care, moving them into another area of the hospital is hiding the problem. Paramedics don't belong in a hospital. They belong on the street in an ambulance caring for people in emergency needs. And that's a very good point. So one of the reasons you've got some ambulance delays is you go to the two big tertiary care hospitals, RUH and Regina General, You've got teams of highly trained EMS paramedics waiting in the hallways, in the areas off ER, with patients on gurneys or, or stretchers. So that's a significant related problem. So I don't have answers for this. I just simply have abundant frustrations, as do the rest of us. But um, so you might have some thoughts. We had some uh, Good feedback from you. Good pushback as well. Um, Emily in Regina. There are patients in hallways at all of the Regina emergency hallways. My father was on a stretcher for 12 to 14 hours in the ambulance garage at Regina General over a year ago. Wait times are ridiculous. And when I get into hospitals, you can see how unorganized they are run. They need to cut out the union powers totally draw on how health care is delivered and the way care is done in our hospitals. This is a province-wide issue. More time spent entering paperwork than doing care. And the excuse is, often I heard, I don't know how to do that or it's not my job. If you're working in health care, it better be your job. And if it isn't, we're all embarrassed. So, interesting point. You know, and somebody yesterday, we were talking about this, talked about the... uh, (laughs) The hiring of an ambulance, they're in the Regina General, they're just not happy. Go out to St. Joseph's in Estevan. They said the difference was a five-star hotel in Estevan versus really, really substandard care in Regina. People do that. Humboldt has got a brand new, beautiful, big hospital. Uh, you've got these sort of secondary cities. You know, we don't tend, to, we laugh in Saskatchewan that in many ways we're one big community. And even this radio show every day, when I've been spending a lot of time with Evan Bray talking about, you know, some of the ways we profile on the show. I'm not in a city. I kind of hover over Davidson conceptually. I'm in Regina. I'm in Saskatoon. We're in PA. We're in Estevan. We're in the Battlefords. We're in Swift Current. So this is a great big province with a whole bunch of suburbs. Now, the problem is, the suburbs sometimes have a long drive between them. Hence, 
you have tertiary care hospitals, and that's not unique to us. Any place you've got people, they get you in by jet helicopter or whatever to a tertiary care hospital where all the specialists are. But in those other facilities, you've got some outstanding care. And even people who uh, got themselves caught on surgical wait lists. Ask about other hospitals. Don't hold out and say, I must see this surgeon in this hospital, you know, at this time. Throw yourself out into the system and you will find some extraordinary clinician specialists in different places around the province. So that's just a sort of a Saskatchewan practice tip. I'm rambling, I tell myself. Okay, down to it. Uh, the NDP want a six-month hoist on the fuel tax in Saskatchewan. Uh, listeners have been pushing for this for a while. And uh, to channel President Clinton, I'll feel your pain. Um, 15 cents a liter. I laughed. One of the media originally established in the early 1990s, the Saskatchewan... Saskatchewan's had a fuel tax since we've had fuel. Back in the Alan Blakeney days, it was a 20% floating tax, which was obscene. So, you know, price of gas went up, the government took more. Uh, the divine government followed other provinces and established a per liter tax. And it's been 15 cents a liter for a long, long time now. Um, it may well have been 15 in the 90s, but the idea of getting rid of a floating percentage tax for a fixed tax, that was all settled here in the 80s. So 15 cents every liter. About 510 million bucks a year to the government. So when the government says, and, and this is just, okay, government is not like your household budget or mine. Government never dies. So they can take on long-term debt. You and I will die, so it's not a really good idea, you know, when you're 40 to try taking a 50-year financing on something. Okay, I'm joking, but you see the point. Government never dies. Uh, public finance is eminently more complex than your household and my household. But on annual budgeting, it is a lot like your house and mine. Government's going to take in X, and they're going to spend Y. So part of X is $510 million on the fuel tax. Part of why is 510 goes to road repair. Some years, the government will actually top that up by another couple of hundred million. And that's the one thing now, roads, as crappy as they can be, you're not even living in the same province. You know, go back 20 years ago to how our roads looked in the early 2000s. This is a different joint. But that 510 million, government spends it all on roads, tops it up a little bit. Or if they're having a tough time, they don't spend it all. They put some into general revenue. Well, the point is, $510 million comes from your fuel tax. So let's not pay fuel tax. Down 510. So what are we prepared to spend $510 million less on? Roads? Nah, I don't think so. You need at least half a bill a year on roads. So, you know, again, this is just a challenge. So would it help for six months? Sure it would. And for a lot of people, it's financially a really tough time now. So the premier has basically said uh, he is still doubling down and getting rid of the carbon tax, but is not at this point considering uh, waiving or giving you a break on the fuel tax. One of many stories today. I'm on this theory that there's a certain liberal aligned polling company that is leading the charge on showing just how badly 
Justin Trudeau's doing. I don't know if these are liberals inside the tent trying to bump Sparky out. I Sorry, the Right Honorable Justin P.J. Trudeau, Prime Minister of All Canada, uh, or what's up? Abacus Data has another poll out today. And they've been the ones with the highest number for the Conservatives. Remember they were saying 40%? Election are held today, 41% would vote Conservative. Up till now, they've talked about the Liberals declining to 27%. Latest poll, Liberals 25%. So that's a 16-point spread for the Conservatives, which I make nothing of it because we're not in an election. But that's Abacus's latest poll. Then... Another polling company, Leger, for the Canadian press, comes out with satisfaction in government and political leaders in opposition. I'll tell you more about that next. Hey, this is the hour of the big stories. Anything on your mind today, something I'm saying, something you've been following in the news cycle, or something that's just got you thinking, got the wheel spinning, it's 877-332-8255. Join the conversation where everything goes on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. to you. This is the hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes. Okay, so I mentioned the continuing onslaught of the Abacus poll, uh, which, gosh, Abacus has been releasing polls, it seems, weekly. And the Anderson brothers, who are uh, in deep in Abacus, they also own National News Watch, longtime liberals. And uh, a friend of mine says, it's an interesting theory you propound that a very liberal tilting group would be leading at the edge of the most damaging polls on Justin Trudeau. And I, again, I, I have no proof of this, no evidence, but just a number of liberals I know who are so, what did Trudeau used to call Canada? You know, post, post-national state with no identity. Well, they're post-Trudeau. They still think they're liberals, but they don't see their party having the name Trudeau attached to it. So a lot of them really want the guy to move on. So Abacus out. Election were held today. 41-25 is the split in their latest poll. And this was done November 9th to 12th. So hot off the press. But it's one of those online polls. Take it what you will. So the other poll I mentioned is Leger with the Canadian Press. Uh, They did uh, 1,600 people last weekend. uh, And this is an online poll. They all are. That's quick, easy, and cheap. So... 30% of respondents are satisfied with Justin Trudeau's government. 63% are not. Who would make the best prime minister? 27% of people say Pierre Polyev, 17% say Trudeau. And with Polyev, there's still a fairly high, we don't know him factor. Uh, The other one you do is the split between positive impression, negative impression, you are doing really well when it's zero. You know, 50% of people love you, 50% don't. Right, there's your zero, okay? Usually it's in the negative, even for fairly popular leaders. Uh, Pierre Polyev is at a negative 10. 35% of people really like him, 45% don't. So he comes at a negative 10. Trudeau is at negative 28. <laughs> 
33% of people like them, 61% don't. And once you're routinely over 60% of the negatives, you're usually cooked. Uh, the NDP, okay, since Ed Broadbent, this is when I've been tracking this, NDP leaders are always positive. Jagmeet Singh is in the positive. 43% of people like him. 41% don't. So he's a positive too. But when you ask about would he make the best prime minister, <laughs> 16%. So that's usually the discount factor for the NDP. On the issues, 80% of respondents dissatisfied with the federal government's handling of affordable housing, 75% dissatisfied with inflation and affordability in general, 50% of people say Trudeau should resign before the next election, only 28% say he should stay on. So that's the Leger poll out this morning, which kind of adds to that litany. And right now in Camp Liberal... There are two camps. Camp to think, and again, this isn't without foundation, still two years away from an election. You can hit the skids in the polls. You can rebound and win. You just have to attack that Polyev guy. You've got to reframe it. The other camps say, as long as Justin Trudeau is anywhere near the party, they go down and they go down hard. So replace the leader and Mark Carney will take the bounce and become a newly elected prime minister. You think? Okay. 877-332-8255. I'm John Bornway. Good to have you here. Hey, it's the uh, hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes here. 877-332-8255. Tons of texts, as is your want. But I do prefer the sound of your voice. Want to join us on the listener line? Let's chat. Okay, so uh, Justin Trudeau being singled out in the social media war of words uh, this all comes yesterday. Gosh, that was a quickly forgotten $1 billion battery plant announcement in Vancouver. Uh, he's standing beside David Eby, the B.C. Premier. And I, I would hope you're a critical enough thinker that when Hamas and even the Red Crescent in Palestine, that's the Red Cross, when they put out videos, you look and you go, mm, okay, I get it. Terrible, sad, tragic. Even when the Israelis put out videos, the IDF, the uh, Israel Defense Force, you look at it and go, okay, I mean, we know about propaganda and the value in war. Now, there are videos around, and they are really, really clear, and they show power lines being rooted down into um, a central uh, pipe, and then you look down, and there's a hole in the famous... Uh, Shaifa Hospital, uh, Gaza's largest hospital, Al-Shifa, a 20-meter-deep tunnel. And then when you get down into the tunnel, tunnels you can actually walk through, motorcycles, uh, the U.S. government coming out. So first of all, there's the IDF video, and you're thinking, yee, like we know Hamas literally fires missiles from the courtyards of schools and hospitals. They've done that for 30 years. Um and then the Israeli Defense Force says this is at least Hamas headquarters inside the hospital, if not, quote, the beating heart of their operation. 
So they've got troops down into the tunnels. Uh, they had the hospital completely encircled. In the last number of hours, they've been now moving into the hospital. So all of this is going on. And in Vancouver, Justin Trudeau says this. The human tragedy that is unfolding in Gaza is heart-wrenching, especially the suffering we see in and around the Al-Shifa hospital. I have been clear that the price of justice cannot be the continued suffering of all Palestinian civilians. Even wars have rules. All innocent life is equal in worth, Israeli and Palestinian. I urge the government of Israel to exercise maximum restraint. Maximum restraint. Oh, well done, Hamlet. Um, Prime Minister Netanyahu, minutes later, posts on Twitter, X, Justin Trudeau, it is not Israel that is deliberately targeting civilians, but Hamas that beheaded, burned, and massacred civilians in the worst horrors perpetuated, perpetrated on Jews since the Holocaust. While Israel is doing everything to keep civilians out of harm's way, Hamas is doing everything to keep them in harm's way. Israel provides civilians in Gaza humanitarian corridors and safe zones. Hamas prevents them from leaving at gunpoint. It is Hamas, not Israel, that should be held accountable for committing a double war crime, targeting civilians while hiding behind civilians. The forces of civilization must back Israel in defeating Hamas barbarism. That's Prime Minister Netanyahu. Not to be outdone. So, oh, Netanyahu's just some right wing. Okay. And Justin, he knows the rules of war. The opposition leader in the Knesset, Yar Lapid, this morning, Prime Minister Trudeau, Israel is defending itself in difficult conditions against a brutal terrorist organization while trying to rescue babies, children, women, and men who are being held hostage by Hamas ISIS. Responsibility for this terrible situation rests with Hamas ISIS. Hamas launched this war. Hamas hides in civilian buildings. Hamas abuses Gazans as human shields. If Canada ever found itself under a sustained and brutal attack like the one we face now, you would find Israel by your side. We expect the same support from you. So the Prime Minister and the opposition leader in Israel calling out Justin Trudeau because Justin is particularly concerned about the um, uh, uh, Al-Shifa hospital. Even wars have rules. Oh, boy. Uh, Oh, not to be outdone, guess who's concerned about the Al-Shifa hospital as well? Charlie Clark has been taking to social media. Uh, It's almost like he has his hours. You know, remember last, uh, what, two weekends ago? I'm pronouns. The government of Saskatchewan... You know, so now he's calling on uh, humanitarian ceasefire and humanitarian aid for all hostages. There are humanitarian corridors, Charlie. There's been several four-hour humanitarian ceasefires that the IDF has laid out. You know that if you're following. And Charlie, I assume you had something to counter the U.S. intelligence, which concludes beneath the Al-Shaifa hospital, 
is a huge system of tunnels, offices, Hamas weapons, and Hamas infrastructure. So the U.S. concludes that somehow Charlie Clark and his gang of uh, whatever at Saskatoon City Hall, it's like the NDP City Caucus with Charlie. You know, he's got the old NDP strategist as a chief of staff. He's got... Charlie, just stay in your lane, man. Your bike lane. 877-332-8255. Hey, you name it, we talk about it here and now. Okay, so the carbon tax, which is on everything except home heating oil these days, got Dylan thinking. Dylan, uh, how are you seeing this tax and what it's costing us? Well, it's costing me quite a bit as a long-haul trucker. Uh, I remember when I bought my first homes in London, Ontario, they were oil heat. I had some in Vancouver Island and Gabriola Island, both oil heat. When I couldn't afford the 100-liter delivery minimum, I'd go down to the corner and buy diesel because it's the same fuel that I'm putting in my truck today. I think that rebate should be across the board for truckers and farmers. But if you subscribe to the belief that we shouldn't be using any gas, and I don't support that, Dylan, and I know you don't either, the view is you have to price it high enough that ultimately you're going to use electric semis. Yeah, that's not available today. And if we all just pull the pin right now, we'll see within a very few short hours what kind of a problem we're going to have. 877-332-8255. Wayne in Saskatoon, Justin Trudeau, uh, now being chided by both the Prime Minister and the leader of the opposition in Israel. What do you think? Well, I think he should uh, roll up his sleeves a little higher. I I don't like what he's doing. He he has no credibility around the world, John. He has none here at home. And around the world, world leaders look at him as a buffoon or a plank you know, name other things they've come up with. <laughs> I forgot uh, about the plank. Yeah, that was the British term. Yeah, the term. plank's a butte. I, I have a lot of buddies who are are here from England, you know, when they were kids, and they said that is ultimate slap in the face is being called the plank. But anyway, <laughs> and, you know, then I look at, um, like, uh, Hamas, if, if Americans have their surveillance right, don't they have bombs that they can... They can drop around the building or like those that hit tunnels and stuff where they actually take the hospital down. But if they take that hospital down, maybe we maybe they'll get a hand on the Hamas, you know. Well, the problem with that hospital, it is a huge hospital, and Israel was evacuating babies. Uh, this was a few days ago. They were actually just going in and taking uh, some of the equipment and the babies and bringing them over to Israel. But there have been three babies have died, and this is a this is the biggest hospital in Gaza, and it's a huge facility. It is also the one, of course, where you remember early on, Israel had shot the hospital, you know, just which was part of the propaganda. But Israel has been very careful to avoid the hospital, although they've suspected through intelligence for years that this hospital is actually a pretty critical base. And that is completely Hamas and their standard operating procedure. They don't just shoot missiles from inside the courtyards of hospitals and schools. They actually have offices and staff, as it now turns out, subterranean levels down 20 meters even motorcycles, paths, a complete underground infrastructure. So the IDF's going through that and clearing it out. 
and they're killing anybody that they encounter down in the tunnels. But the problem is, uh, Israel, while it can do some things, uh, this is a huge hospital. So you've got to be careful. You've got to give notice. But, I mean, the humanitarian crisis here is terrible. It, it pulls on your hearts. But Israel didn't start this, and Israel is going to finish this. And much like the operation that followed the attack in Munich on the Israeli athletes in 1972, there will be around the world, and extraterritorial killings are international, international law, are a violation of international law. The Israelis have said they will hunt down and kill people who target Israel. So these four and five billion dollar net worth leaders of Hamas, who all began as street thugs, none of them, you're not talking Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. These are basically just gangsters who moved up the Hamas chain. They live in Qatar, they live in Lebanon, they fly around in private jets. You don't think the Mossad is tracking and knows where they are, and it's not probably going to happen soon, it might, but every one of these people will be targeted and they will be executed. And I know for us and our Canadian sensibilities, that's hard to hear. But it's going to be done. And every single member of Hamas is going to be destroyed. Israel says never again. And they're pledging that. 877-332-8255. Bill on hospitals, I think, makes a very good point. And this is where I go back to the 80s, the 70s, when we were but children. And hospitals, surprisingly, were hospitals full of beds. Now, not so much. And how much growth have we had in 40 years? Bill will target that. And next, anything on your mind in the hour of the big stories on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. is the hour of the big stories where everything goes. Harrison, Gormley, I do not appreciate how hard you're being on Charlie Clark. He's just trying to find something he's good at. <laughs> oh, very funny. Okay, let's get you on the radio now. 877-332-8255. A bill in Saskatoon. Hospitals, staffing, wait times in ER. Uh, how do you see it, sir? Well, I'm gonna, I guess just like you're, you attack, uh, Charlie Clark, I'm gonna attack, uh, Bradwall and, and, uh, Scott Mole, because you never will. And, the, Bradwall came in when the resource sectors were just starting to really boom. Yep. And they promoted growth, which we knew was gonna happen anyway, because the resource sectors were booming. Promoted all this growth, but they never put, they put zero plan into, into what they were going to do with our infrastructures to help supplement this growth. And now we're stuck with this huge issue of hot, no, with no docks, hospitals are overcrowding, schools are overcrowding. They, they have zero, put zero input into, into, um, supplementing the growth. Bill, let, let me just stop you here. Are, 
not yeah. not zero. You're, you're absolutely right in terms of frustration today. You know there was a children's hospital built for half a billion dollars. You know there was a Regina bypass. You know there was a billion dollars a year on roads. You know there was, what, 40 new schools, 35 new schools? Like, I don't think that's zero. Like, would you concede that? I would concede it. We won't get into the bypass. But my thoughts are they're wanting things to collapse so then they can bring in their the private sector which they've always wanted oh bill yeah so that's what you were leading up to so you deliberately you spend billions and billions on infrastructure but you don't spend billions enough so what would the private sector do that government can't they didn't spend enough obviously well we went into areas that needed it but you remember in 2017 the government hit a big deficit because it had been spending yeah where did the resource money go when we were in the big boom well, most of it ultimately dried up. As you know, oil for five years uh, wasn't cresting 40 bucks a barrel. Yeah, not, not as I know. The resource sector here, we, the province was built on agriculture. We yep. have all this resource sector now, and they can't manage it. A grade one class can manage what we've had better than, than the PC government has. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting, I mean, you clearly have you know, come into this from a political perspective. But again, I've got to kind of call you when you say zero and none. We had some of the biggest infrastructure builds in Saskatchewan history in that period of time, kind of 08 till about 1617. So, but you're right. I mean, you've got to, on health care especially, you remember Bradwall did that thing that by 2014 we had virtually no surgical wait lists because the government, all eyes on it, they threw money at it, they got serious. Government takes their eyes off something else in health care. I'll tell you, health care, you've got to stay on like a tiger. Coming up, the people who I think got the conversation going, uh, the RCMP, last week issuing a statement about the growing number of officers in this province injured in the line of duty. You will be shocked, I think, at how many it is. Next, we'll chat with Rhonda Blackmore, the CEO of the RCMP in Saskatchewan, on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.